listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Eric Daw. That dude, that guy, he said, he... Luthier, guitar tech, Eric Daw. Hate him. He's so smart. We were just talking about Eric Daw. Hate him. Yep, you hate him. He is a 25-year veteran in the guitar community as a professional luthier, Eric Daw. Thank you. Steve, welcome to the show. My voice is fried. It's absolutely finished, so this is going to be a... Uh, <clears throat> I'm just getting over something, like a cold or something, and my voice is just finished. It's the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name's Eric Daw, your personal guitar scientist guy with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. I'm going to replay a, one of my favorite interviews that we ever did, and that's with... Jason Lawler, and we did it years ago, like I think 20, I want to say 2013 or 2014, it's a long time ago. I'm going to replay that for the second half of the show. Got a few things to talk about, a new intro, <laughs> did you like that? Yeah. Uh, what else can I tell you about? I've just been laying a little bit low because I've been sick and it's been the holidays and, uh, you know, stuff like that, but... I'm going to I'm getting back into the swing of things. My book is uh should be available, you know, sometime soon. And uh I'll let you know. But meanwhile, I wanted to touch on a few guitar headlines, nothing too in-depth. Here's there's a new segment. It's just light news. Very light. We're just going to touch on a few things. Guitar news. Mhm. Rock and roll headlines. This is Guitar News from Guitar.com. I don't even think this guy plays guitar. Police have raided the home of rocker Marilyn Manson, who is presently facing multiple sexual assault lawsuits. That's shocking. I'm shocked. Him? Marilyn Man- Him? He looks like such a... like just a regular fella. Not at all who you'd expect... Uh, the musician, whose real name is whatever, has been accused by several women of, uh, oh my God, b- terrible things. Uh, he, they say that uh, there several women claimed he had a soundproof room that he would lock them in as a method of psychological torture. Way to go. Winner. Yeah. Gosh, not who you'd expect, you know? Guy looks like, I mean, just a straight arrow, right? Looks like Perry Como. In other news, Ted Nugent says Greta Van Fleet have some nice piss and vinegar going on, but he doesn't find them inspiring. Interestingly, this marks the first time in in at least 25 years that the words inspiring and Ted Nugent have been used in a single headline. In other news, I liked this quote. I liked this quote a lot. Somebody interviewed Carlos Santana, and this is the headline. Carlos Santana, quote, When I play guitar, 
I'm a kid with a first-class ticket to Disneyland, and I can go on any ride I want. What a good attitude, man. That's how I feel. I love playing guitar. Isn't it great? You know, it's just, it's just the greatest. It's just the greatest. Okay, here's, here's one more headline. Then we'll, co- and then we'll wrap this up. My voice is completely finished. Joe Bonamassa. This is from uh, GuitarWorld.com. This is Joe Bonamassa's uh, recently interviewed. He says, Being semi-retired for a year and a half has given me a new lease on life. I thought this guy... Uh, this is a guy that he's made a career out of being semi-retired. I thought... Maybe not, I don't know. See, now I'm just being a jerk. Look, I'm in a bad mood. I'm sick, okay? What do you want from me? <laughs> oh, why am I even doing a podcast? You, it, that's all right. That's all right. We do have a call. We'll take a call and uh, see what happens here. Hey, Eric and Nat. This is Micah Bruce calling from Omaha, Nebraska. It's been a bit since I've called... I was listening to this most recent episode about the guy considering filing the nut back away from the fret, and I just wanted to interject. Now, keep in mind, I occasionally will make a true temperament neck, which is the squiggly frets that are fixing intonation at each position, which I don't even have to ask you. I know you hate probably. And I know you probably don't like buzz fighting nut system. Uh, I should let you speak for yourself, but I'm pretty sure you, you've said you don't like it. And I agree. However, I, I have seen a few custom builders do compensated nuts, especially on classical guitars. They really make a big difference. But, um, if it's just a normal guitar with adjustable saddles, I'm with you. Keep it simple, stupid, and we just kind of deal with imperfections. But for those with super sensitive ears, I I could see the point of a compensated nut. Now, I don't want one on my guitar, but if it's really bugging you, you could look into buzz fighting or other compensated nut approaches. But... You know, not for the faint of heart. And anyways, you could write a whole book on the topic, and I think somebody probably has. Anyways, um, you guys are awesome. Keep up the good work. Nat, you're growing on me. You're awesome. And you guys are excellent. I love it. Highlight of my um, fortnight. Bye. Thank you, Micah. Yeah, the interesting thing about the like the buzz fighting uh, nut the compensated nut that he uses is that it moves the nut towards the first fret and the call that we were that or the subject that we were dealing with when we talked about this on the last episode the guy was talking about moving the, the moving the point where the string leaves the nut back toward the tuners so the opposite way of where of what most compensating nuts do that's what threw me i don't know Again, I'll go back to, I think, how I answered the question in the first place is, do what the guitar needs. 
don't come up with some weird voodoo um, unless it really needs it. Like, check out the <laughs> check out the distance between the nut and the first fret, and check out the tuning between the open string and the f- first fretted note, and see what kind of differences you're dealing with there, and that'll tell you everything you need to know. My voice is really not going to hang in much longer, so uh, we'll, we'll take a break, and I'm going to replay an old interview that I hope you enjoy. Thank you. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription. And shipping included if you're in the USA. Great coffee every morning. Just cut a little bit easier. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. And if you go there and use my promo code, you get an additional 10% off. That's pinup, P-I-N-U-P. That's at apexcoffeeroasters.com. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music, you can order a neck straightening iron, some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I I think it I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one. From playersgearmusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's it's a tool, I tell you what, it's gonna pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to playersgearmusic.com, scroll down on the main page, scroll, scroll, scroll down to where it says fan of the Fret Files podcast. You click that, that adds one to your cart. And it's fifty bucks off. So instead of seven forty nine, it's six ninety nine. Six ninety nine, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron. Playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out. And don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. As you know from listening to the show, I repair and restore guitars. If you go over to ericdaw.com and see information about guitar repair and guitar restoration, you can contact me there. If you've got some guitar restoration or pickup rewinding, anything that you need done, if you want to see the custom guitars that I build, you can go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. There's a whole lot of guitars on there that have been sold, but I also post new arrivals there all the time. They go quick, so check often. The best way to get into the loop is to submit your email address on the uh, on the homepage of that website, and that'll add you to my email list, and you'll get a heads up when there's new guitars available. That's pinupcustomguitars.com and ericdaw.com. 
Jason Lawler has been a professional luthier since graduating from Roberto Venn School of Luthiery in Phoenix, Arizona in 1975. However, his interests and expertise go well beyond building guitars. In addition to designing and producing extraordinary archtop, solid-body electric, and lap steel guitars, Jason is a noted authority on nearly everything related to electric pickups. He is the sole author of Basic Pickup Winding and Complete Guide to Making Your Own Pickup Winder. Jason's book has been credited as the spark that created a new movement in aftermarket and boutique pickup manufacturers. Additionally, many amateur and professional luthiers and guitar electronics tinkerers have learned a great deal about pickups using Jason's book. Even if you never plan to wind your own pickups, his book is a valuable reference for any musician interested in gaining a better understanding of tone and sound in electric instruments. Professional musicians and instrument manufacturers have increasingly turned to Jason's products to get superior sound. His client list which includes many internationally known artists, continues to grow rapidly. And I am proud to have joining me on the phone, Mr. Jason Lawler. Hi, Jason. Hi, how are you doing, Eric? Man, I'm doing great. I know you're a busy guy. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do a quick interview today. Well, thank you. Thanks for asking me to do it. Yeah. You know, anytime I uh, talk to a guy who's basically devoted his, his life to, to guitars like you have, um, I'm always curious what what the catalyst was, what the spark was that uh, that set you off on, on your on your guitar quest? Oh, uh, well, you know, um, I, I played uh, saxophone in grade school, and, you know, so the uh, Partridge family was kind of a big hit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Danny Bonaducci, you know, I thought, hey, man, that's kind of a cool guy. No, you're pulling my leg. <laughs> But the saxophone wasn't that cool, I thought. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, I, so I got a, uh, I bought a. Uh, well, the first album I bought was a Jimi Hendrix Having Experience, probably about seventy one, seventy two, something like that. Yeah. And that just totally blew me out of water. Was, was that album? Yeah. And uh, so I wound up buying a, a Lyle electric guitar, mm -hmm. uh, which is, uh, I think, it's kind of kind of was a, like a Northwest regional. Brand. Oh really? I didn't know yep, that. Japan. No, no wonder I see so many of those. Huh. Uh, so, um, you, I'm sure, graduated from there onto you know Fenders or Gibsons, right? Yeah, I, I wound up buying a '71 uh, Les Paul Custom uh, a few years after that. Hmm. So okay. Gibsons were really uh, where I first started getting into. And were you always kind of a mechanically minded guy? Uh, were, were you? Were you interested in how guitars worked as, as soon as you got into them? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I made uh, uh, flying model airplanes, you know, when I was in grade school. Oh, cool. Uh, so I had some mechanical uh, skills building stuff, and, and uh, my guitar teacher at, at the time knew some things about how a guitar should be set up, how, it, you know, the neck has to have an angle. Uh, there's some geometry to it, which a lot of people don't understand at first. So yeah, yeah. He helped me out on that kind of aspect. But he helped me uh, learn how to put new tuning pegs on and, and do fret files and stuff. You know, small, uh, uh, small things like that. Yeah. So from from there, where did you go? Was it um, uh, did you apprentice for someone or or go to uh, uh, a school? Yeah. Well, I, I was still in uh, like junior high school when I started playing oh, around with, okay. with the 
building with uh, fixing guitars. And then when I got into high school, I, I talked my shop teacher to let me try to build one. Wow. Which I actually did manage to complete, and it was, you know, it was kind of, it was pretty rudimentary, but it did, yeah. it did play and it did work. Wow. Yeah. And then I went, uh, eventually I wound up going to Roberto Venn School of Luthery in, uh, in Arizona in 1979. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Well, you've been at it longer than I've been alive, man, and I, uh, uh, I, I look up to guys like you. So, um, do, do you still make guitars? I, I'm sure you do. I do. I, I only make one every several years anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've had the good fortune of being able to work on a couple of the guitars you've made, and I was just astounded at the, the craftsmanship, man. Nice oh, job. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. You know, Emerald City was one of the first places I, that uh, helped me... Uh, market my guitars oh cool way back yeah you know, so probably before 2000 oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so at some point um, you've turned this more into a, a enterprise of, of guitar pickups and uh, uh, what's what's the story behind that when did you start really getting into the pickup side of things well the, the thing was I started I really started pushing my business before the internet really was happening yeah and at, at that time, you to in order to get enough customers, uh, you know, you had to like advertise in magazines and stuff, and you had to come up with creative ways to get your name out there, sure, and, including getting them into stores around the country, mm-hmm. and uh, which was quite a task to do back back then. Yeah. And um, so I thought, what would be a good way to uh, get my name out there? And, and uh, one of the things that came up was, oh, I'll write a book about some aspect of guitar making. Mm-hmm. And so um, I looked around what what hadn't been written, and really the one that hadn't been written was uh, how to make guitar pickups. Yeah. And so I did that, and it wound up selling several thousand copies in the first few years. And so people started uh, calling me to make, you know, all sorts of pickups for all different kinds of applications. Oh, cool. And then it kind of from there it kind of morphed into me doing. More standard designs like strats and tellies and humbuckers, and yeah, and uh, replacement type pickups. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm looking at uh, a copy of your book right here. I've had a copy for many years, and it's I've yeah. learned a lot from it. Yeah. Was that out of print now? It was for a while, but um, they started. The value of them went up to an insane amount. They were selling on eBay for five and six hundred dollars a copy. Wow. So people started. Uh, bootlegging copies of it and making fakes and so I just thought that was really crappy so I, I decided well if I reprint it that, that'll that'll stop all that you know yeah there won't be any, any uh, initiative for it to get that high yeah. of a value so that's what I did yeah and that's available on your website right yeah it's available only on the website anymore I don't sell it wholesale anywhere yeah um so when did Lawler pickups really start to, to take off for you I was able to quit every job, other job I had in 2000, and have, have not looked back. Yeah. Since then. Wow, that's so, great. Yeah. I've been uh, just a big fan of your pickups for a long time, and you've you've become known as a a guy that's making pickups that have kind of a magic element that a lot of companies aren't able to recreate, and, and there's kind of like this mystical. Um, 
uh, ethereal element to your pickups in, in a lot of people's minds that um, that don't exist in other boutique makers. I I, I, am, I assume that's by design. Well, I'm sure we do. Some things are different than than everybody else, or most other people. You know, I have my own ideas how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And I, I develop a lot of my ideas from listening to what customers had to say about what they wanted. Yeah. And and doing you know custom items for people over and over and over for the same kind of guitars. Just you know listening to what they wanted and then figuring out that they fall into certain categories yeah. generally and yeah. and responding to that. So I sort of designed my whole line around what people want. Sure. Well, that makes and sense. I took the time. I took years to, to do it. So one thing that, you know, I think not every, not every company, I don't think they really listen to their pickups. I know a lot of about cheap guys that one... Like one guy, for instance, he never heard his best-selling pickup for like three years. I thought, that's just ridiculous. That is ridiculous. <laughs> How can you do that? I yeah, that's bizarre. That is bizarre, yeah. Yeah. So we listen to everything, and and um, I'm really picky about consistency. Yeah. I build a inconsistent consistency, is what uh, I call it. One of the things I love about your website and about your pickups... You know, people will um, come to me and ask me, and, and we carry your pickups here, and they'll yeah. say, hey, what does Pickup X sound like? And I can send them right to your website, and there's great sound files uh, of, you know, here it is through a clean amp, here it is through some distortion, uh, and that's a really invaluable resource because it's so hard to to know, and it's really, really difficult to to explain what a pickup sounds like. And, and, you know, the, the, really, the, the wrench in the whole thing is that one guy can take a guitar and, you know, two two different guys playing the same rig can sound very different from each other. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so you have to kind of take that variable into it. But the pickup itself, we try to represent it so that you can at least get a good idea what the, the pickup's really about. And then you may have some variance depending on how you play, what kind of chord inversions. How hard you hit, what your action set up like. Yeah. Know, there's a lot of variables. Oh, yeah. And I'll have people that just want me to, to recommend a pickup for them, and I tell them, well, it's kind of like me recommending an ice cream flavor for you. Right. I, I don't really know what you're going to like, and, and what I like may not be what you like at all. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So, so hope, hope, you know, I, I've kind of developed a thing where I, I let's know what they're telling me, and I, I have some questions to, to help me figure out what it is that they want yeah. and um, I try to get them to make the decision. Particular questions I ask, like, uh, you know, if they want something that sounds a little more gritty or something that's more glassy or, yeah. you know, a number of different aspects and I'll, I'll throw out some stuff that's kind of opposite of each other and, and listen to what they say and it kind of helps me, lead, leads me to what they're, what they really are after, if they, if they know. Yeah. One of the things I was really excited about that, that you guys um, are manufacturing now is a reproduction of the famous old Tysco gold foil pickup. Yes. And uh, that's been one of my favorite pickups for a long time. And I feel like that's a pickup that sounds great, and I feel like that um, it was completely by accident. I, I, <laughs> I feel like that it was uh, – it, uh, that it – 
it it was almost one of those magic happy accidents where they just made a pickup uh, by chance that sounded amazing. I think I think so. I don't I don't think back then that particular company really paid that much attention to what. I don't think they really designed for sound. Yeah. Really. Although there are some funny parts inside that pickup that don't really have much of a uh, not much of a function. Uh, hmm. Yeah, those pole pieces. Do they? Do those pole pieces even do anything? They 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 do. Um, what it is is there's a there's a steel plate underneath the coil and magnet. There's a yeah. magnet inside the coil, a bar magnet inside the coil, yeah. facing the strings. And underneath that is a metal plate that fits all the way underneath the magnet, and it wraps up one side of the coil. Yeah. And it makes a little lump that has holes drilled into it that pole pieces go into. So, so one side of the pickup is south up where the coil is, and then where the magnet touches that steel plate, the north side of the magnet wraps around over to the pole pieces, so it makes a real wide magnetic field. Oh, wow. Interesting. So so if the strings are close enough to those pole pieces, and you raise them up and down, it would affect the the volume level a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. But it, it's not really so much... Uh, it's not quite the same as like a pole piece in a, like a Gibson humbucker. It's right. not quite as... Uh, effective yeah but it does make that pickup gives it a particular tone and, and it's got a lot of output for how few it turns it has right clears down yeah with real thin wire what like 44 gauge wire yeah, 44 gauge wires not many turns on that pickup yeah and I know that I think, or at least I think, that was in uh, uh, in the works for a while over there. Was that a hard pickup to to really get right? Um, it was it was hard in the fact that every every part had to be made. It's such a small pickup; the yeah. parts fit together real tight. So every part had to be made with a real close tolerance. And there's there's metal plates in there that are bent, and when you bend a piece of metal, it tends to spring back. Yeah. So, so we had to get those, the, the bending, uh, fixtures over bent so that when it sprang back, it was just right. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was a lot of parts. Anytime you have to make a, a metal pickup cover, it's, it's like $10,000 for a tool. Wow. Oh my gosh. So. Well, let's hear some sound clips. These are, uh, right from your website, right from, uh, lawlerguitars.com. And this is the gold foil, the Tysco gold foil, uh, played by Jeff Sen on a Sen Fullerton. It's like a, like a Strat style guitar. No pedals, no EQ. That's how it's done. Uh, through a 73 Princeton. And here is the bridge pickup. Nice and clean through a 73 Princeton.
Here it is in the middle position, so this is both pickups on uh, through the same setup. And now, and, and this is where I think this pickup really shines, is in the neck position. So here it is, neck position, same setup, same guitar. that translates okay in the podcast you know we run this through some audio processing and compression so if you want to hear it uh unadulterated uh then you can go to lawler's website lawlerguitars.com and there's sound clips for every pickup there but you know the best way to listen to those i think is to uh check them out with a, a good pair of headphones so uh check that out but that and that pickup just sounds great man it's got so much uh, detail and high-end clarity. Um, it just—it really sounds great, man. I love that pickup. Yeah, they got so much more top-end detail than most pickups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really sound great. And the guy that brought that pickup to my attention was Ry Cooter. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The first time I met David Lindley, first thing that came out of his mouth when he heard who I was, he said, "Do you make them Tysco pickups?" <laughs> I yeah. did it at the time. That was quite a while ago. Oh, wow. That's cool. Well, um, what else is new over at Lawler, man? Is there anything in the works that uh, we could get a sneak peek uh, about? Um, well, um, what we let's see. We got um, a new mounting system for the uh, Tysco Gold Foil so that it'll fit into a P90 soap bar cover. Oh, cool. And a dog air cover, so it'll make, make it a little bit easier for people to mount in the different guitars. Yeah. Um, what we're really concentrating on right now is we, we bought a, a commercial building in Tacoma, and we're moving the shop uh, to Tacoma. Wow. That's been taken up most of our time. Oh, that's news. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. We, you know, we, where we work now, we're not we're not zoned correctly for, oh. for what we got. So yeah. We decided to... For what we could rent, we could buy in Tacoma. Oh yeah, wow. Is is there any plans to make? And you you probably get sick of this question, but is there any plans to do a a Dan Electro style lipstick tube pickup? Oh, you know, I've really looked into that several times, and um, I think I'm going to stay out of that one because I looked at you know that I was donated several fifties ones, and it looks like there there's such a small space available inside that that pickup yeah you gotta make that that coil and wrap it with tape and you gotta get it 100 percent exactly right every time or when you push it in there it breaks and hmm. there'd just be a whole lot of 
whole lot of uh, uh, fall down, is what you call it. Um, yeah, you know, that's a pickup. Or, that... or like if two out of ten break when you put them in, you know, it starts eating in your. Oh, that's a loss. Yeah, um, that's a pickup that it doesn't have. It doesn't have a bobbin, right? There's no bobbin on that thing. That is really unusual. Yeah, there's. Well, you know, there's there's a few. What one of the uh, ways of making pickups that they used to do, like the old uh, Epiphone New Yorker pickup. I don't know if you know what that is. Probably yeah. have an idea what that is. But it was a bobbinless pickup, and and what they did was they wound around a magnet into a, a little form on their machine, hmm. and the wire itself had a insulation on it that would. Um, break down like glue. You would squirt alcohol on it while you're winding it. Yeah. And the insulation would bond to itself. It's called bondable wire. Oh, wow. So you would wind this coil and then let it dry and you could pull the, the, the form off and you'd just have a, a coil with no bobbin wrapped around a magnet. That's wow. Pretty much how it did. It's really messy. The, the, the stuff goes flying all over the place. Huh. Do they still make that wire? They still make uh, a poly, uh, modern version of it. They don't make the old, that old brown, yeah. you know, enamel magnet wire like that anymore. Interesting. Well, yeah. one final question. I've I've always wondered. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of your book here, and um, I haven't made the winder that actually I. I made my own pickup winder, but I haven't made exactly the one you've got in here, and I'm looking forward to doing that someday. But I wondered, uh, is this winder that's described in your book the same winder you guys use over at Lawler Pickups? Um, we use we use a variety of them. I used only that winder for many years. Yeah. I wound tens of thousands of pickups on it. Wow. And I still have three or four of them, and I use them for particular things. Yeah. But uh, now we use a, uh, we use a, a similar... It's it's a more heavier duty and industrial thing, but it's uh, something that was designed back in the twenties or thirties. Oh wow! And it's based on you know eighteen hundreds cam technology. It's it's kind of like a like a miniature Lisona or uh, you know like what Gibson used for the PAF. Wow! Uh, uh, they're they're really they're not the kind of winder that lays a wire right next one layer next to each other like all the guys say machines do. It doesn't it's, work like that. Yeah, it does a, a scatter wound. It's more, it's more like simulating hand winding is what it does. Well, oh, that's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Huh. Great, man. Well, you know, I just I can't thank you enough for uh, for doing this interview. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me do it. Cool. Great. Thanks, Ernie. Well, yeah, I'll thank you. I'll stop by next time down there. Awesome. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. Visit me at fretfiles.com. Don't forget to participate in the podcast. You can do so by going to ericdaw.com, click the contact link, send me an email, or call the special phone number I've set up and leave me a voicemail. It is 757-774-8482. Thank you to Jason Lawler for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for Red with the Guitar News. I want to thank Michael Van Dieven over at ufoship.com for hosting this podcast. And, of course, Emerald City Guitars for sponsoring this podcast. And I want to thank everybody that participated. Please participate in this podcast. I can't do it without you. And we'll see you next month. Thanks for listening. You are listening to The Fret Files, the guitar repair podcast with Eric Dahl.